Chapter Fifteen of Futility or the Wreck of the Titan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Weiss. Futility or the Wreck of the Titan by Morgan Robertson. Chapter Fifteen. In New York City there are homes permeated by a moral atmosphere so pure, so elevated, so sensitive to the vibrations of human woe and misdoing, that their occupants are completely removed from all consideration of any but the spiritual welfare of poor humanity. In these homes the news-gathering, sensation-mongering daily paper does not enter. In the same city are dignified magistrates, members of clubs and societies, who spend late hours and often fail to arise in the morning in time to read the papers before the opening of court. Also in New York are city editors, bilious of stomach, testy of speech, and inconsiderate of reporters' feelings and professional pride. Such editors, when a reporter has failed, through no fault of his own, in successfully interviewing a celebrity, will sometimes send him news-gathering in the police courts, where printable news is scarce. On the morning following the arrest of John Rowland, three reporters, sent by three such editors, attended a hall of justice presided over by one of the late rising magistrates mentioned above. In the anteroom of this court, ragged, disfigured by his clubbing and disheveled by his night in a cell, stood Roland, with other unfortunates more or less guilty of offense against society. When his name was called, he was hustled through a door along a line of policemen, each of whom added to his own usefulness by giving him a shove, and into the dock where the stern-faced and tired-looking magistrate glared at him. Seated in a corner of the courtroom were the old gentleman of the day before, the young mother with little Myra in her lap, and a number of other ladies, all excited in demeanor, and all but the young mother directing venomous glances at Roland. Mrs. Selfridge, pale and hollow-eyed, but happy-faced withal, allowed no wandering glance to rest on him. The officer who had arrested Roland was sworn and testified that he had stopped the prisoner on Broadway while making off with the child, whose rich clothing had attracted his attention. Disdainful sniffs were heard in the corner with muttered remarks. Rich indeed, the idea, the flimsiest prince. Mr. Gaunt, the prosecuting witness, was called to testify. This man, Your Honor, he began excitedly, was once a gentleman and a frequent guest at my house. He asked for the hand of my daughter, and as his request was not granted, threatened revenge. Yes, sir, and out on the broad Atlantic, where he had followed my daughter in the guise of a sailor, he attempted to murder that child, my grandchild, but was discovered. Wait, interrupted the magistrate, confine your testimony to the present offense. Yes, Your Honor. Failing in this, he stole or enticed the little one from its bed, and in less than five minutes the ship was wrecked, and he must have escaped with the child in—were you a witness of this? 
"'I was not there, Your Honor, but we have it on the word of the first officer. A gentleman—' "'Step down, sir. That will do. Officer, was this offense committed in New York?' "'Yes, Your Honor. I caught him myself.' "'Who did he steal the child from?' "'That lady over yonder.' "'Madam, will you take the stand?' With her child in her arms, Mrs. Selfridge was sworn in, and in a low, quavering voice repeated what her father had said. Being a woman, she was allowed by the woman-wise magistrate to tell her story in her own way. When she spoke of the attempted murder at the Trafail, her manner became excited. Then she told of the captain's promise to put the man in irons on her agreeing to testify against him of the consequent decrease in her watchfulness and her missing the child just before the shipwreck, of her rescue by the gallant first officer and his assertion that he had seen her child in the arms of this man, the only man on earth who would harm it, of the later news that a boat containing sailors and children had been picked up by a Mediterranean steamer, of the detectives sent over, and the report that a sailor answering this man's description had refused to surrender a child to the consul at Gibraltar and had disappeared with it, of her joy at the news that Myra was alive and despair of ever seeing her again until she had met her in this man's arms on Broadway the day before. At this point outraged maternity overcame her. With cheeks flushed and eyes blazing scorn and anger, she pointed at Roland and all but screamed, and he has mutilated, tortured my baby. There are deep wounds in her little back, and the doctor said only last night that they were made by a sharp instrument, but he must have tried to warp and twist the mind of my child, or put her through frightful experiences, for he has taught her to swear horribly. And last night at bedtime, when I told her the story of Elisha and the bears and the children, she burst out into the most uncontrollable screaming and sobbing. Here her testimony ended in a breakdown of hysterics, between sobs of which were frequent admonitions to the child not to say that bad word, for Myra had caught sight of Roland and was calling his nickname. "'What shipwreck was this? Where was it?' asked the puzzled magistrate of nobody in particular. "'The Titan!' called out half a dozen newspaper men across the room. "'The Titan,' repeated the magistrate. "'Then this offense was committed on the high seas under the English flag. I cannot imagine why it is brought into this court. Prisoner, have you anything to say?' "'Nothing, Your Honor.' The answer came in a kind of dry sob. The magistrate scanned the ashen-faced man in rags, and said to the clerk of the court, "'Change this charge to vagrancy, eh?' The clerk, instigated by the newspaper men, was at his elbow. He laid a morning paper before him, pointed to certain big letters, and retired. Then the business of the court suspended, while the court read the news. After a moment or two the magistrate looked up. "'Prisoner!' he said sharply. Take your left sleeve out of your breast. Roland obeyed mechanically, and it dangled at his side. The magistrate noticed and read on. Then he folded the paper and said, You are the man who was rescued from an iceberg, are you not? 
the prisoner bowed his head discharged the word came forth in an unjudicial roar madam added the magistrate with a kindling light in his eye this man has merely saved your child's life if you will read of his defending it from a polar bear when you go home i doubt that you will tell it any more bear stories sharp instrument humph which was equally unjudicial on the part of the court mrs selfridge with a mystified and rather aggrieved expression of face left the courtroom with her indignant father and friends while myra shouted profanely for roland who had fallen into the hands of the reporters they would have entertained him after the manner of the craft but he would not be entertained neither would he talk he escaped and was swallowed up in the world without and when the evening papers appeared that day the events of the trial were all that could be added to the story of the morning End of chapter 15. Recording by Tom Weiss.